0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Service Monster Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Kowalski, and as you can see, unless you're, you know, watching this after the fact, we are live. Um, Very cool new addition to our repertoire uh, for the business savvy. This is going to save 40 hours plus a week in editing time, Um, and this will be a little hint of some of the technology we use for the symposium, December 10th, 11th, and 12th. We're going to talk a little bit about some releases. We got an Entree Joe skit we want to kind of hash out. We've got some smug posts. But before we get to all that, Adam, what are we talking about today?
1: Yeah. So any of you guys who are sales oriented and as business owners, you all should be on at least some level. um, We're going to talk about kind of sales objections and how to overcome them, Um, kind of helping you guys. Not necessarily through a script because really, you know, you don't want it to be a scripted event, but kind of common things that will come up during the sales process and kind of how to overcome them. So we kind of have some some common sales objections. We'll go through not necessarily like a, a role play necessarily, but we'll just kind of go through some of that. And uh, Joe will kind of put some of his insights of things that he's gone into. And then at the end, maybe kind of suggest some some books or interesting things to read that might help um, anyone who's uh, struggling here, Joe. So I'm just going to kind of start this with something quick. So to handle sales objections, you have to be prepared, right? For what's coming. Um, You need to listen attentively. That's pretty obvious in any communication, guys, if you're not. Um, And then you need to demonstrate that you truly understand their concerns and you're providing a value. Um, To master handling these objections, you need to prepare. for those common rebuttals, so you can regain the upper hand. Because if you're prepared, you're not going to be focused on you know nitty gritty details. You'll just you'll just be able to just kind of react, right? So, we'll just kind of go through some of these, Joe. Like uh, some so before common- we
0: before we jump into that, I sure. do want to um, maybe jot down a couple things about sales in general. Um, you should be a student of sales, uh, especially if you're a single owner operator growing your business. Um, And you should hand those skills over to your sales team, whether they be in your office or you look at your technicians as salespeople, uh, which you should as well, at least to some degree. The sales process, you know, there's a million ways you can approach it. There's hundreds of coaches out there literally, and they all have different methodologies. The one I came up with, because I actually came up through sales. Well, telemarketing, I was, Hawking pro audio gear at Guitar Center for a while. Like I've been through the sales channels before I was pretty much anything else. And the structure I always liked is the greeting, qualifying, pitch and close, right? And that's a very simple structure, but it helps remind you that the sales process is a structure and don't forget to ask for the close. Like don't forget to close it out. But I think some things are lost in that you must first listen. You must be a listener. And your greeting and qualifying should really be about prompting your prospect or client so that they feed back information to you that you can then use to say, okay, well, how can I bring this person the most value? Not what can I get out of them? Not how big can I make the ticket? It's how much value can I deliver to this individual? And you do that by listening to the problems that they think they have and attacking those problems. So oftentimes you'll be working through and everything will be happy, go lucky. And then at some point there'll be friction. There'll be resistance. Some reasons why maybe now isn't the right time, or I need to talk to somebody first, or your price point is too high. Or that, there's a handful of objections. So I'm sure we'll cover cover a number of them here but I wanted to frame that sales is about a conversation it's about discovering and it's about delivering value and then not forgetting to ask for the damn close so that always be closing always be closing ABC absolutely so Adam what do we uh, what do we got here on your list Well, the first one I think is probably
1: the most common, and it's especially important because uh, we've had lots of discussions. You've had a lot of one-on-one discussions, Joe, about people who are afraid to raise the prices, about pricing out potential customers, and so the the first obvious one is price objections. So they don't have the budget for it. It's more expensive than they thought. Uh, Maybe they had, you know, they just had a bad month. There's no money. So forth, and they or they want a discount, right? They're kind of asking, implying, like, can you can you can you hook me up or so forth. So, I think we wanted to start there because it's important that you guys know that if you're priced correctly, if you understand your value, you know, you don't necessarily want to be sidestepping that, other than maybe you know, really specific reasons, right? So, let's kind of go through that. If if someone was to ask, if you're if you're on the phone, Joe, and I have kind of some some needs. We'll say I need to get my my carpets cleaned because I actually do need to get my carpets cleaned. So anyone in Bellingham wants to, let's call me up. um,
0: (laughs) Out of the dozen or so clients we have in (laughs) Bellingham.
1: Right. So let's say that I call you up and I'm basically price shopping for lack of a better term. I kind of just say, Hey, this is what my needs are. Um, And like, what's that going to run me? How would you kind of approach that?
0: Well, I mean, I feel before we ramp up to that actual question um, that we have to address, like where is the sale happening? Is it in the home or is it over the phone? And if it's over the phone, what are you selling? Are you selling the appointment to then do the estimate and sell them on the job? Or is the sale all encompassing? Once the appointment's booked, you're just going to send the technician out to do the work. Um, In either case you may run into the price objection or into, you know, the person who's calling is just price shopping, just banging it out. Um, You can combat this, but you've got to be willing to let go of the sale. You've got to be willing to not compromise your value, like how much you're bringing to the table. Too many people try to get something out of you. And uh, there's that old saying the consumer always loves. Well, you know, you never know unless you ask. So, even if they're asking for a price discount, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to say no if you don't give it to them. And so, how I would combat that is combating it with value. Mrs. Jones, um, I understand everybody's got a price, uh, their price that they're they're willing to pay. Um, As a business too, though, I've got a price that I've got to make sure that I meet, otherwise I can't build a business. And I want to make sure that I'm bringing you the most value and doing the best job. And that includes education, proper equipment, licensing, you know, building a real business here. And I would love to include you on that journey, helping me build this business. So if the $20 or $30 on the discount is going to be enough to kind of chase me away or, or not accept me into your home, then I understand. And I hope that you find somebody, um, but it's just, we can't go below that. And we do a really good work and we stand by our work. And uh, you can see that in the referrals and the reviews and everything we do. So the approach is humble, understanding and empathetic, but at the same time, unrelenting on moving on your price and then demonstrating the value you are delivering to that client. So that's the way I generally approach that. If you lose a sale because of it, then... You know what go go find another client you don't necessarily want to stack your deck especially since repeat rate is so important with price shopping clients you don't want to build your base that way and so i would say that if you're getting a lot of price shoppers the first thing you should be looking at is your marketing message are you attracting the right kind of client because if you're pulling in clients who are always asking about price shopping maybe you're hitting the wrong markets. Maybe you're hitting the wrong demographic. Look for those people who are completely, price isn't part of it. They just want a good job. They want someone to show up and be professional, someone they can trust. Um, And you get that by targeting specific types of clients and then building a referral network out of them. So solve it before the question even happens. Once it happens, be unrelenting, display value, be empathetic and be willing to walk away from the deal.
1: I think, too, the point you made earlier about, you know, not necessarily backing down, if they say no, and, you know, it's not always the end of the world, right? And if they do say no, you can set up plans to follow up with them at certain intervals and see, did they ever get their problem solved, you know? Because if they didn't, or maybe they they got it solved, but it was it was a poor job, you know, that's, that's a really good way to kind of slide yourself in and become, they can see, again, that value. Like, oh, maybe there is a reason why he's an extra 70 bucks, because he's actually worth worth the money, so. Um, So the next one is kind of, oftentimes this is more on the product side, but obviously from a service standpoint, it works as well. But if it's not kind of a good fit, it's not really what they're expecting um, once uh, you kind of present it to them. And this is probably more likely to be something when it's an on-site face-to-face sale rather than over the phone. Um, so kind of, how do you, how do you clear that up? How do you still make the sale, um, in a circumstance where maybe there was a misunderstanding or is it
0: worthwhile to even do so? That's a really case by case basis, right? I mean, if they, let's say that they're in the industry for whatever reason and you show up with a portable and they're pissed because they wanted a hot water extractor, right? Or that they think the red tip on that pressure washer is like the best thing ever, but you know, as a pro, that's not, that's not what you want to use. This is where educating your client comes in. Being um, so good at what you do that you're able to not be defensive. Like right? You're not trying to win an argument here. What you're trying to do is educate your client on your expertise. Well, Mr. Jones, I get it. Hot water extraction machines are great and uh, yeah, I, there's definitely a use for them. I think for this job, a portable will, you know, do quite well. Like you, you can pitch it however you want, right? And I'm not making a case for portable. Don't send me hate mail. <laughs> like, and portables have their place, so don't send me hate mail. Um, but, you know, again, it's about that education. Um, can you talk to the client in a fluid manner and help alleviate their objections? If they're like, oh, I thought this, then address it head on. Don't Don't skirt around it. Right? Don't try to be like, well, I'll just get this thing done and then get out and then avoid myself from the situation. Hit it head on because uh, you really want to build a client rapport. If you do this well, if you can overcome a big objection at the beginning of something and then you do a good job and they're satisfied with that, it's far more likely they're going to be a loyal client moving forward. So I take those objections as an opportunity to both educate and also really establish yourself as the person that they want to go to for the services you provide. Another example of this um, is
1: kind of on the flip side so if you're prospecting rather than like you know the 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 call or whatever came into you if you reach out and they reply with, oh, I mean, I've heard of your company. I've seen negative reviews, like you did a por- horrible job for my neighbor or so forth. And then kind of handling that, right? As far as, you know, you don't have to necessarily d- defend yourself right there on the spot, but you need to have a plan in place, you know, so that you or, you know, your office staff, cause those are gonna be kind of the mo- most difficult calls, right, when the customer's unhappy, having something ready for them to be like, listen, um, we value your feedback. Like, like we're a company that listens to our, our customers, and if we didn't have a mistake, if we did do something, we're, we're going to own it. We want to have that feedback from you, from Amy down the hall, or from you know whoever, so we can make it right. Even if you know we have to go back out there and do something, because that's that's kind of the mentality you want to have in that situation. To you know, again, not necessarily just win them, but win their social circle, right? Because they're going to be expanding that throughout their their circle, so. Absolutely. Um, another really, really, really fun one um, that I think comes up a lot in uh, these industries are the gatekeeper objection, right? Like I need to pass this off. So if you're talking to maybe a lower rung on a commercial bid, you know, need to talk to someone higher up or the husband, uh, and, wife the husband and wife, exactly. Oh, yeah. I can't do this until I talk to my husband or my wife. Yeah. So how do you handle that process?
0: This is a trickier one. When I was at Guitar Center, they they coached pressing it, like, because it was usually the guys wanting to come in and buying a guitar and knowing that, you know, a $1,000 guitar the wife wasn't really going to be excited about. And so (laughs) it's not, I don't like the technique. They would say, you know, things like, well, who wears the pants in the family? And, you know, they would challenge the other person to say, you know, do you really need her position? Like, why are, aren't you the money maker? Aren't you the and it always left a bad taste in my mouth. So I'm not a big fan of that tactic, although it does exist. Some coaches preach it. Um, I'm more the inclusiveness. Let's see if we can ha- make it happen, though, right now. Like, oh, you know what? I totally get that. Um, I would be willing to chat with her, though, if you want to get her on the phone right now. And we can just talk about this and get this taken care of. Otherwise, you know, you're going to let it sit for a couple of days and it's still not going to get resolved. So let's let's knock this out now. And then oftentimes, if you say, let's include them in, they'll and eventually they may be like, you know what, that's fine. Let's just get it done. Right. Because that really doesn't hold a lot of water in most places, a 250 or $350 cleaning service. Um, you can, you know, one of the spouses can usually just rubber stamp that and off, off their way. So, um, challenge it, but in a way that's inclusive, bring them in. The other thing that you should have a part of your sales game, no matter what though, is a ridiculous follow, follow follow-up process, right? So in this case, you would say something like, yeah, I totally get that. Um, when can I expect to hear back from you? Like putting the onus on them and establishing a timeline. And then when they're like, yo, we'll talk tonight. Be like, okay, awesome. Can I call you later tonight? Or can I call you first thing tomorrow and and uh, let's get this booked? And if you if you have any questions, please send, here's my email address. Here's my contact information. Here's my Facebook account. Like make it super easy for them to come back to you with any questions that they may have as part of their conversation and then make it super dead, dumb easy for them to book, whether it's, you know, an easy CRM uh, hookup on your website, like Service Monster or like whatever you want to use there to make that process super duper easy. So uh, inclusive, um, try to make it happen right then. Have a ridiculous follow up game. Get them to establish a timeline.
1: What Joe mentioned there too is definitely kind of my personal preference as far as the oh let's just let's just get them on the phone if if we can like can I kind of chat with them because it it really kind of bypasses that this is just an excuse kind of scenario. Um, The one thing I will say I I definitely agree with the I'm not a huge fan of outright manipulation or trying to like you know make someone feel one way or the other about the to the forcing their process. But if you guys do go that route, I always recommend going it on a positive note, right? Like just imagine how happy they'll be when they see the surprise they come home to a clean home. Or you know <laughs> they, they come home to a clean driveway or you know the roof you finally you finally cleaned out the gutters, right? Something like that is probably the better approach than to uh neg. challenge their thought. Exactly. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I don't want to cause any uh, marital issues or anything, you know, by trying to get between people. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably, that's not a very good sales uh, tactic right there. That's not so. a long-term client. <laughs> no. no. Exactly.
0: Unless you consider it, hey, I got two clients out of one.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's that's one way, yeah. <laughs>
0: wow. You want to double your client base? Start getting your clients divorced. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm ready to come back six months and some guy's going to write a book. Like, so this is the stuff
0: Justin usually cuts out, so you guys are getting it live. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: the, the next big one that's going to come up pretty often, um, it ties again to the price objection kind of thing, is competition, right? So let's say that they have been looking into a couple of different options. Everyone's similar and maybe the price is a little bit over. Maybe there's you know the, uh, a certificate or something that one side has more than the other. Um, X product is better. Um, maybe you're talking about the uh, hot water extraction versus, you know, portable, um, you know, whatever they might've looked into the age of the internet, right? People literally go into their doctor's office and they did some stuff on WebMD. And so they, they figured out all this stuff. So, um, if that's the case, maybe they maybe you've even gotten a contract in a, in a commercial scenario, but you haven't actually signed the paperwork or things like, or I should say a bid, right? Rather than signing the contract. How do you kind of handle that? Like you, the conversation is steered towards this is who else is in the mix, where we're going with them. We think we're going to go with them. You know, how do you kind of sway them back to your side?
0: So the first thing about competition that I'd say is... Um, You either don't pay enough attention to your competition or you pay too much attention to your competition. There is a balance and I define it like this. Pay enough attention to your competition so you're aware of how your prospects see the both of you. You don't want to be obsessed like, I'm going to put that guy out of business or why is he always stealing my lawn signs or, you know, you get caught up in these juvenile games. Uh, It's a waste of your time when you're building a business. Um, on the other side of that saying, I don't pay attention to my competition at all is silly it's blind and it's not taking your customer's perspective into account because they're shopping and they're going to be comparing you against a handful of other, um, companies that they found. So having the right mix of paying attention to them, that's number one. Number two, keep your cust, uh, your competitors names out of your mouth. Don't mention them. Don't say them. Don't refer to them. Be generic. They, them. Um, what makes us different? Like, don't don't ever call them by name or write them by name. Um, which then leads to number three. Don't bash them in any way. You're not in the you know the competitor bashing business. You can set up scenarios that demonstrate how you're different. Service monster, we do this a lot. We do this very, very well. We set up the, hey, you know what? We don't speak negatively about our competitors, but let me tell you what makes us different than the others in the industry or some other people, some other companies you might be looking at. And then you lay out those differentiating factors. You have them ready to go. Like our customer service is top notch. You can actually get us on the phone. Our data integrity is top notch. Like, And you can see I'm talking about us, but what I'm doing is I'm setting up a wedge to differentiate ourselves from our competition. And so when you do that, then you can hit those points that are addressing their concerns, attacking their problem so that they know that you're the provider to solve it for them. You're maintaining integrity by not going so low as to talk about a specific competitor in a negative way. Um, and then you're recognizing the fact that they have choices. And so you don't necessarily want to cut it off and be like, well, don't look at those guys. I'm the guy you want. Um, you can just simply give them and again an education about what your company does and why it makes it different. And for this, I'll actually refer you to a book, Simon Siddick, Start with Why. Because this is a really good um mindset to be in. If you have a why in your business that all of your employees can articulate and that you can, you know, convey to the client in real time, um, that goes a long way because people look at the service as a commodity, but they hire the business or the individual based off their values and how they match up. Um, and so you can you can really establish yourself very well that way. And then again, your follow-up game. If you're the first um, company they called, <clears throat> they're dead set on getting three bids, no matter what, uh, then you're not going to convince them to not do the other bids. And it's kind of shady to, to really try hard. So, Hey, when you are looking to make a decision, um, what can I do to make sure that I'm still in the running? Um, and what can I do to prove to you that I'm going to be the guy that's going to handle this for you? And that's going to ease your mind. So, all those things in a hopper and then out comes out, uh, all right, great. When can you come back? When can I follow up? When are you looking to get this done? And then your follow-up game needs to be on point.
1: There's a really interesting thing too, because all these are going to be different scenarios, right? Who's contacting who and, and so forth. But if they have reached out to you and mentioned that, you know, they're going with someone else, um, there's probably a reason for that. Right. And you kind of, the thing you need to remember is kind of have this in the back of your mind, like, okay, well then why are you still talking to us? Because are they trying to get something out of you? Are you trying to play you against the other person? But typically if that conversation is still going, that means that there's something there, right? It's just kind of one of those things to have in the back of your mind that's um, leverage, so to speak.
0: So. Yeah. Even if they're seeming like they're trolling you, at least they're engaging. Yep. Yeah. So I'll give Michael of, one. He hasn't said nothing. <laughs> yeah. Okay.
2: Um. I, I contributed one comment, so <laughs> there's something. Well, one and one thing I just want to say real quick, actually, along with that, um, even if you know there's some weirdness, you're like, why are they still talking to me if they're going to the competitor? Like, if you have their contact information, like I, you know, do the marketing, so I'm really into this. If you have their contact information, you're able to market to them continuously. So with all this stuff. Um, like even earlier, Joe, when you were talking about, um, you know, some customers, if it's not the right time or whatever, whatever objections they have, if we, if you kind of are like, okay, I'm going to let this one go for now. Like, just remember, like save their information, do that follow-up marketing. Um, cause just because they don't buy right now, doesn't mean they aren't going to buy in the future. So that's one part of this that I like to think about too, is, um, just you know it's it's not about always getting the sale like right away you know we can a lot of people buy you know several times or several months down the road or however long depends on what what you're offering but yeah do you want me to go to the next one adam
1: i think jump to the bottom i think i think that's that's a good one to cover
2: okay um actually this is this is gonna be an interesting one so what do you do when um you get a hard no like they're just like nope not interested how did you get my information like get all angry how do you handle that type of objection joe when they're like aggressive in their dislike of you or your company
0: With kindness and empathy and uh, you back away from the keyboard, (laughs) you know? Oh, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Jones. You know what? I can remove your name from our list and uh, you never have to hear about us again. I apologize. You know, I'm not sure what I did to offend you. I would love an opportunity to, to make it up to you or, you know, this line of things, right? Not combating back. Not well you just don't know what you're talking about and I'm the best guy in town. And, you know, I've seen some pretty crazy stuff when people get challenged. Um, Just, just be like, okay, (laughs) I don't know how, it's not that hard, right? You just, okay, yes, sir. Not a problem. Trying to oversell somebody who's being overly aggressive is just going to create friction on both your ends and give them fuel to go storm about on social media, right? So, um, a hard, aggressive, no, or some disdain or dislike for your company. Not everybody's going to get along. Not everybody's going to like everybody else. It's the nature of humanity. Uh, So what I would say is don't do anything to encourage them to be social media uh, ninjas and and drag your name through the mud. So I'd be cautious on that. other than that, I don't, I don't know. It's pretty straightforward to me. Yeah.
1: Well, that's, there's just two different paths. I think that I, I would want to add on to this. One is as an owner, especially to try to protect your employees. This is one thing that Joe has done really well. Um, cause I've worked on, on the call center side and as you guys know, I did on the onboarding. If there's someone who is, you know, on an extreme, you know, they're extremely harassing, like one of the, uh, you know reps or so forth if, if if someone's harassing your sales team or someone in the office or so forth um, you need to kind of protect them and make sure that they know hey that's not okay and so that's kind of like you know hey don't yell at them don't fight back you know like joe said just kind of pr- approach with with kindness and then hang up the phone essentially like you don't get to talk to me like that like there's there's a boundary there like you need to respect that person on the other end of the phone obviously that Ties to you guys too, as owners, like don't necessarily get beat up because of this. But you know, you're you are the face of the company. You are the company, so it's kind of one of those things that you kind of have to take ownership of, as Joe has mentioned in numerous posts and in and, and podcasts and so forth. So, just kind of one of those things that I've definitely seen here at Service Monster that is vastly important for employee morale.
0: Fire the, the client. I mean, you it, know. You know of your clients are going to suck up 80% of your resources. And so if you can figure out where those bad actors are, just get rid of those guys. You'll, your staff will be so much happier. Like you don't want to force an issue, you know, because you're dealing with some asshat who's being mean to everybody. It's not worth your time. It's not worth the business. Let them go be jerks somewhere else. Um, and, and I think that that's really important. So yeah, occasionally a couple of times, maybe at most a year, actually we haven't done it in quite a while, but you know, every once in a while, someone will pop up and I'll just give them a personal call be like, sorry, dude, you got to go. Sorry, nothing personal, but you can't be treating my people that way. So you got to find yourself another solution. You got 60 days. And then I'll ride out, let them ride out the 60 days. And even then, if they haven't moved on. You know i'll continue to prompt them i don't want to damage anybody's business or restrict their data access or anything crazy like that um, but at the same time you just you can't be rude to the people and uh and if you cross that line you're gone And just you can't do business with me or yeah. us or the product sorry
1: and believe me guys um your office staff or sales staff or whatever they notice things like that like it's i've i've worked in various call centers when i was younger Did not act that way. I'm pretty sure someone could have actually like threatened to come murder me at one of my tech jobs and they wouldn't have cared. So, so yeah, I I still have that
0: blog post I want to write, you know, (laughs) and I'm going to catch shit for it now. But it's, I don't need your 100 bucks. I don't need your 80 bucks. I don't need your 125. Not if what comes with that is a whole. Series of strings and bad behavior. If you're expecting us to dedicate a hundred hours a month to you for a hundred bucks a month, then um, you're in the wrong business. Like, if you can figure that out, like you'll have a billion dollar company overnight. So don't do it to yourself. Don't do it to my team. And then, likewise, you should be looking at your clients this way. Don't let them suck up your resources um, or create a bad environment for your team because the vast majority of people aren't like that. You only have to do this once or twice a year. Yep. And it
1: really all just ties down to the healthy boundaries. We won't go any further than that because we've had plenty of conversations that way. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention, and this ties into the very first thing that we said, which I'm sure you guys all remember, right? You guys are um, taking notes. I don't even remember. <laughs> but uh, listening, right? Because there's mm-hmm. there's three different kinds of no's. Like, usually the first no is you haven't you haven't shown me that there's value here. The second no is a no, not yet. So maybe there's potential there, but and the last no is the no. I'm just not interested. You've shown me the full gamut of what you have to offer. I'm just not interested, right? And so that's why you need to really be listening to what they're they're saying. That that the subtext, right? Um,
0: it's just, yeah. Don't go after a hard no. You only have so much yeah. time and resources. Yep. Totally.
1: Yeah. So there's a few other things we wanted to kind of go over because um, there's. Believe me, there's many more. Um, you guys can look these up. Uh, there are, you know, tons of information out there that would try to help you. Like Joe mentioned, there are tons of coaches who try to help you. This might actually be a really good point. Um, just as a quick break, Joe, uh, you already mentioned the one. What are some other kind of uh, books or or you know panels or anything, any information you've had that you feel like is is worthwhile to some of our listeners that would help.
0: Well, I mean, first, if you really want to get better at your sales chops, um, obviously there's a, you can read, there's a self-help stuff. I might, I'm not a big fan of Grant Cardone in general, but his book 10X is phenomenal. So that's a good one. I already said, Simon Sinek, start with why, making sure you have a good purpose for your company to um, base your sales repertoire off of. Uh, the third I would, might suggest is coaching. Um, Brandon's Brandon Vaughn's um, Summit Group. Um, what, do, what do they call them? AG? <coughs> the Conquer Group. Thank you. Uh, Conker Group has some phenomenal coaches. Uh, they will be at the symposium doing coaching sessions there. So uh, there might be an opportunity for you to learn more there, especially about not just what they do, but actually get some meat in your business. Um, so. I would think those would be the big ones, um, and it depends on what kind of sales you're looking to do. If you want to get more into social media marketing, you hang out with Gary Vaynerchuk. If you want to do sales, 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 and dive a little more into Grant Cardone, but ditch his kind of used car salesman style approach that he does in some of his stuff. Um, that that w- that's a pretty good start. Like, you, if you just that material, right? You read. Uh, start with why 10 X and then maybe consider some basic coaching. If, you, if you're not getting the sales you want, the other thing too, is, you know, consider bringing in blood. Like if you're at a point of growth in your company, bringing in a salesperson or a sales manager, depending on your size can really make a big difference and a big impact. So uh, we're, we're going through that again. Now we, we have a new sales manager coming on board on Monday that I'm super excited about. Um, and, and we really believe they're going to help move the needle. So, getting outside help, knowing you can't do everything, getting coaching, consulting, introspection, and reading lots of reading.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing I want to say off of that, too, because um, I know that for a lot of business owners, those things, especially business coaching or hiring someone, those do cost money. Um, but I see in Facebook groups, um, talking to some of our customers, even. I see so often um, just the massive amounts of success that so many business owners get from these things. So if it is something that you're kind of, um, you know, not, not sure about, ask some other business owners Go on, um, there's some really good Facebook groups out there for different industries and just kind of get other people's um, advice in that industry on what they've done. Um, like what kind of business coaching they've done. Um, because I, I like every single day I see stories of my business has grown, like, this amount in this past year because of like this business coach and this software program I'm using and like blah blah whatever, or I hired this person and my sales like skyrocketed. So, um, really like, I I see a lot of community interaction there on that front. Um, and so if you're, if you are unsure, yeah, just talk to some other business owners, get their, um, kind of perspective on what they did, um, to grow because I think there's there's just so much out there so many options um but don't be scared you know
0: well there's the fear is warranted right there's a lot of snake oil salesmen out there there's a lot of people who aren't ready yet to put themselves out there as a coach or a guru that are maybe a little premature. There's, you know, people who tried it and were moderately successful, but figured out how to game the system so that you pay them a big amount of money up front and then they give you a little bit of stuff. And if you don't implement it, then it's your fault because failure to implements on you. Um, You want a place of accountability and some people that will hold you not just accountable, but, you know, coach you through, Those things, and so in order to figure out, kind of separate the wheat from the chaff, you've got to talk to other business owners who have had positive experiences with these individuals. So that's what I would suggest.
1: I think it's especially warranted in the cleaning industries um, because I feel like there is a very kind of group mentality. Owners typically, from what I've seen, really do want to be helping out each other. Like there's enough here for for all of us, right? If you're if you're doing this for the right reasons, right? So. I definitely kind of see that. And they also don't put up with a lot of BS, at least m- most of the time. Um, there are definitely <laughs> some that need some more moderation. But um, so, yeah, and I, I it's sort of that old, if you want to be successful, surround yourself w- with successful people, right? It's kind of the whole kind of mantra. So if you find the right group, you can definitely learn, help yourself grow. Yeah. Um, so then kind of I just wanted to kind of shift to, to close this off on kind of some preparation that you guys can take to help with this beyond the general kind of education coaches and so forth. Um, so we don't necessarily have to go super deep into this, um, but the, the very first thing like we mentioned is, is listening. So there's no perfect way to help improve your listening skills. You just have to really focus on the fact that you're probably not doing it correctly um, and find the circumstances with your family, um, with your friends, so forth on, rather than, you know, focusing on your moment to talk, you're really absorbing, you're really listening to what they say. And, and you can kind of do this without anyone even really you know, realizing that you're helping to kind of coach yourself. Right. And so you can kind of come up with that and see how well you actually are listening, how well you are, you know, able to respond to certain things and really understand what that person is saying. The next one is sort of prepping yourself for for coaching your team maybe or some actual materials that might help you. Um, And so this is where you can actually kind of do, even if it sounds cringy, um, you'll definitely need to have the right attitude when you approach this, Um, but you kind of want to have some things written down, some possible responses you can do, role play. Um, I don't know the last time you guys were on any interview situations but you know a mock interview with a friend can really help kind of you know temper your anxiety right if you're worried about things like just saying the items going through the 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 what if scenarios the more that you say them the more that they become kind of just a reaction you don't necessarily have to focus on getting three steps ahead of the person because you're prepared for these situations right and so there is you know, probably a wrong and a right way to approach it. And you know, certain team members might be like, "Why are we doing this?" I already know how to sell, you know. So that actually might be a good thing for you to come in here, Joe. Like, what are some things you you've seen throughout your time on you know to bring this kind of idea of going through motions like this without or with people actually buying in?
0: Um, you have to be mindful right? I wouldn't necessarily script everything out, especially I've seen this, right? Perfection is the enemy of the great. If you, um, if you don't think you've got your scripts just right, then you kind of just don't do them. Um, I would say have an idea about how to approach these objections. If one comes up, you were unfamiliar with or unprepared to deal with, put that in your back pocket. Once the interaction is over, jot it down. And think about different ways that you can approach it next time. What will happen is if you're fluid, um, you'll start to develop cadences that you know work and that are repeatable. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of utilizing language, right? Whether it's a rap, the written word, uh, or a live podcast, I try to be very cautious and selective with my language and my communication. Even my swearing, there's a punch, there's a reason, there's, there's an emphasis there. It's just part of the makeup of who I am delivering messages and communication. Um, and so, if you keep it fluid, what'll happen is you'll take something that was okay and turn it into something great on the fly. That you can walk away from and go, oh, man, that is the phrase like that's that's how I combat that. And then even then it might not work and you have to change it up or one word or a flip something just a little different. And all of a sudden people are responding to it. So being mindful, staying um, agile and not being married to any one thing, like just because you wrote it down doesn't mean you have to say it the same way a year later, because if it's working, that's fine. More often than not, though, there's always areas of improvement because the more interactions you have, the more use you'll be uh, to dealing with those.
1: Also, definitely make sure you actually write them down because as much as you guys all think you're going to remember down the road, you might not. So just (laughs) just have something that's quick and easy, you hop in your truck, boom. And then just you know have that stored document or whatever. Um, and kind of the the analogy I was going to make because I was joking to you guys I was going to talk about video games. Um, but the analogy, I know it's not necessarily what you guys might be doing. Maybe maybe you do. Maybe we got some gamers out there. But it's sort of like if you're playing a first person shooter, you guys might recognize you know Counter Strike or one of the newer games like Valorant or whatever. If you don't know the map, then <laughs> you're gonna be you're gonna be spending more time and energy trying to guess, trying to figure out like where someone's going to be coming and you're going to be stressed out about just not knowing what your position is, right? Yeah. And so all of this preparation. You're talking about that
0: new map in Valorant, huh?
1: Yes, I am, yeah. <laughs> but um, the all of this preparation is essentially you going through the steps to practice and learn the map because the the shooting, whatever happens as far as the shooting goes, as far as the team, how they react, that's out of your control, right? That's going to be them. But if you understand the map, you're reacting and you can focus on what's important. And in, in the game case, you know, sh- shooting the person, but here it's the, the sale. Like all you can do is focus on it, it's a reaction. You're not thinking about all these other things outside of there because you already know you've, you've gone through the preparation and it's just kind of slide out. Like you say, you, you can have these, you know, choose your language carefully, um, you know, constantly update that, but you're prepped for those scenarios. So that's kind of how I wanted to finish that.
0: Very good. Yeah, 40 so, minutes. Let's move on.
1: Yeah. So let's jump into some service monster news. Um, now that we're live, this is going to be a lot easier to kind of work on release <laughs> notes and things like that. Uh, yeah. Mobile is out. Uh, I know that we had mentioned that it was one three five uh, earlier, but we actually did do a quick little follow-up, uh, which requires a version increase. So we're now on one three six in both Android and iOS. It's, it's live. Um, there is going to be some further work here quickly, but uh, it's gonna be focused on kind of some trial things. So we won't really dive into that too much, um, but also, we're constantly working on those little UI UX improvements and so forth. And we got some some big things in store for you guys. So on the desktop side, we released 653 on uh, a Monday and there was a quick follow up hop fix immediately after that, just for one quick thing on the schedule there. Um, but this was really focused on a big thing that, um, a lot of users utilize Google Calendar sync, um, and, and in particular, the two-way sync, which means both of them are communicating both ways, right? Um, and it was causing some slowdown issues, particularly with larger companies. And we had a user that was complaining about extreme load times for a particular day. They had a lot of events. We looked in and kind of said, "Enough is enough." We've been putting off because we thought it was going to be a large project. Um, and two of our devs, Matt and Aaron, put in. Four solid days, just refactoring they killed it. Absolutely, was so proud of both of them. They kind of took ownership of it. Let me know what was happening, and boom, we just adjusted. Like Joe says, being agile. Right? You guys are familiar with software development, yeah? Um, but being able to adapt to that and focus on completely refactoring that Google Calendar integration, so it's loading. I the magnitude of twenty. Faster. We don't. We no longer have to reach out and gather all the information at once. We can get basically notified by them. You guys need to know all the, the technical details. All, all you need to know is faster. It's faster. Faster. So,
0: if you're hooked up to Google Calendar Sync. If they, if not, if you weren't hooked up, then you weren't seeing a latency issue to begin with. So,
1: yep. Uh, there are a few other little odds and ends. Uh, we did some improvement on the uh, time log system. So, if anyone who's listening has a question on that. Um, just do some quick UI UX improvements there. Just little things like that. But uh, the next release will be something that uh, a lot more of you guys will notice and it's coming out and just, uh, well, you know what? I'm not going to say a specific date because we, we do get in trouble with that. So
2: <laughs> Probably smart. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, let's, I'm going to hand this off to Michael for our, our weekly symposium update.
2: Yeah. So, symposium, I'm sure you guys have heard about it by now. If not, like Joe said, December 10th, 11th, 12th. Uh, Tickets right now are 25% off, um, and that will be until November 15th. So you got... What's today? Today is the... 20 seconds so you got a few more weeks here three more weeks um of that sale so get them while they're 25 off um only 74 right now per ticket um slash symposium i'll put a link here of course after uh we're done um but we are going through each uh, podcast kind of talking about some of the speakers and panels that we're going to be having um kind of what 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 to expect we want to give you guys you know some information on what you're gonna get at the symposium so um, first speaker I want to just mention today is, uh, Michelle Myers from Pink Collars, who we actually had on the podcast, uh, just last month. Um, she's awesome, super engaging, um, super knowledgeable, uh, when it comes to, uh, call center stuff, um, w- uh, you know, customer service in general. Um, she's actually going to be doing a sort of interview with, uh, Pink Collars user talking about how to become that guy in your community being like the go-to service provider in whatever uh, industry you're in. Um, and so join us for that. She'll be, um, will we'll have more details on when the time slots are going to be and stuff, but just keep your eyes up for that. Um, Ryan Kettering from Prolific Prince will also be speaking. Um, he's going to be talking about how to become the clear choice in your market. Um, he's huge uh, in the cleaning industry in terms of uh, designing logos, van wraps, um, any, anything graphic. Um, didn't he? He started with a cleaning company, though, correct, Joe?
0: Yeah, so it, his story is fun because I got to yeah. watch uh, live because he put it on Facebook. This is like 2017, I want to say. Um, his last cleaning job oh, um, wow yeah now you know there's been a lot of graphic designers come and go throughout the industry <clears throat> most of them are crap sorry but Ryan man that dude is just consistently putting up hits whether it's the van wraps or logo designs or you know brochures um, they do an amazing EDDM campaign they can uh, help you with so um, but he's really fully transitioned now for, you know, the better part of three years to his prolific Prince company. And they're just dynamos. I, I've i seen a lot come and go. He's the only artist we recommend um, externally for the industry. So Ryan's done a, some really impressive work. And I can't wait for to hear what uh, he talks about at the symposium.
2: Yeah, it would be cool i mean he's got that he's got that different insight into it um you know transitioning from the cleaning industry into the design side so it's gonna be super cool um we have dan plata from blue skies services um he's going to be on our um or doing a t- doing a talk on the three most common financial mistakes um so we want to make sure there's like there's different topics here within the the symposium so there's gonna be more of a financial side of things um He's his whole thing is don't don't learn these things the hard way. He wants to help other business owners get ahead of some uh, pretty common things you might run into as a business owner. That's a great uh, bookkeeping
0: business too. Dan's yeah. kind of a new acquisition for us in t- terms of the service monster family circle of, of people we endorse. Um, he's got a great podcast live show that they do um, bookkeeping bullshit and beer uh, him and Bobby Walker are usually going at it a little bit. So. Um, super great guy, super funny, but knows his stuff when it comes to bookkeeping and especially bookkeeping for service providers. So that experience that he has, uh, he he sees what the mess that he has to clean up from these guys all the time. You guys aren't accountants. Neither am I. I had to find a pessimistic accountant because I hate that shit. Like if we, if I was doing our books, you guys would never get paid. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well i'm glad that's not the case see yeah, me too because that goes for me too i would be like what do you
0: mean that we don't have any money oh darn it
2: uh, yeah so that's that's gonna be super fun i'm excited to uh see him talk yeah um we're also doing a covid panel uh you're gonna be moderating that joe um we, we we're gonna figure out a few more people to put on there but so far uh michael hinderlitter Later, mm-hmm. not totally sure to pronounce his name, sorry, uh, for Power Wash University. He's going to be on there. So if you want to talk a little more about the COVID panel, I think that's going to be um, a pretty big draw since that's, you know, relevant to Our what's life. going on right now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so um, what's it? Cleaning during COVID, right? That's the name yep. of the panel. Yeah. Um, so we've got some, um, I don't have it in front of me, but, um, you know, we've got some questions that we're going to be asking the panelists Really focusing on, you know, is your business prepared for this kind of stuff? Um, And, you know, not just pandemic, but emergency. Uh, But then, related to pandemic, what can you do to protect yourself and your employees, to let your clients know that you're being mindful um, of whatever issues they may be worried about? How do you position yourself? Um, What advantages? or opportunities have arisen that you can take advantage of? Um, And then how do you stay clear of opening yourself up to liability by taking poor advantage of these opportunities? Um, So a handful of topics around that and really just creating a mindful presence of, you know, this is not going to be the end of it. Like COVID may come and go, and I don't mean go as in go, go. I mean, go like as in the flu go. Uh, and may become part of our culture. But this is not the last pandemic we're going to see. It's not the last disaster we're going to see. It, I mean, you know, look at the tensions right now just across the board in North America. Um, you, you know, In my youth, I would have never thought we'd be at kind of a fever pitch that we are now in some areas of the country. So you never know. That's the point. And are you prepared to deal with those and, and prepared to pivot when necessary? Um, when we're, when everybody comes back, uh, to full force, cause we're not there yet, right? We were like four or 6% down with our last report from year yeah, over year. Like yeah. Jobs, yeah. carpet cleaning, um, mm-hmm. pressure washing and window cleaning jobs. So, you know, even when we go back to normal, there'll be less companies to service those positions. So you have an opportunity here of growth. So what are you going to do with it? So that's really what the
2: panel is focused on. Yeah, that would be a cool one. Um, we're also gonna have Jeremy Reitz from Reitz Drying Academy talking about um, leveling up your water damage mitigation estimating game. So um, I don't know too much about Jeremy actually, but I mean, it sounds like it's it's a little more focused on obviously water damage mitigation, but um, you know, he's taking an estimating approach of like how to how to do how to get better at estimates, how to, um, you know, win more estimates in that front. So, um, that one should be super cool too for a lot of the, restoration people out there.
0: Yeah. And Jeremy's a powerhouse. He was the only other Gen Xer besides myself to sit on the board of the IICRC by a couple decades. Right. So um, I've always been impressed with him. He grew up in the industry, hardcore in the restoration side, um, runs that academy and just a genius with subtle approaches that make big wins. Like I don't want to give away any of his, his secrets or whatnot, but, you know, he's just got some techniques that are just not difficult to do and um, make immense impact on whether or not you're gonna win the job or finding the right contractor or you know a payout schedule even in order to maximize your ability to manage those funds because let's face it, restoration work is tough. Cause you have a lot of upfront expenses that you promise to get paid on the backside. And if you're not managing that well, then, uh, you could, you could be in a bad situation real fast, especially if you're a storm chaser, you know? So he's got tips and tricks for all of this kind of stuff. Jeremy's a genius.
2: Yep. yep. That's uh. we'll, we'll be sharing more in the future podcasts about um, other speakers and panels and whatnot, but that's what we got for today.
0: Yeah. There's like 24 slots. And yep. uh, just incredible people across the board. Um, at the same time, there'll be exhibitor booths and coaching rooms um, to take advantage of. So, again, the the link will be in the show notes. Definitely come check it out. Uh, 25% off now. Don't miss that opportunity. And um, we're really looking forward to seeing you guys there. The amount of value we're bringing is just ridiculous. So, I'm very excited.
1: Yeah. And like like Michael said, each week last, last pod, I should... This is a biweekly show. Um, every other week, uh, we're doing you know kind of this this look behind the curtain, um, talking about five at a time. Right, we're going to be leading up to the to the symposium, so you guys can get the sneak peeks if you're tuning in. Awesome. Uh, next, we got uh, Entree Joe. So this one, um, I think it's probably going to hit home with a lot of people, um, Joe. Because I know this one for you was kind of uh, on a personal note when you first kind of had this this thought. So I think a lot of people will will uh, enjoy. So life is not always smooth. If you own a business, the weight that you carry is multiplied by a factor. If you have a family, multiply that again. If you have empathy for your clients, add some more. We feed on the pressure when our plans are going well. It's satisfying to recover and adapt for the unforeseen. It can even be enlightening to fail. But there will come a time when the pressure feels overwhelming, when the plates you've been spinning come crashing down around you. It's hard and it's dark and it's going to break your ego. You're going to need help and that's okay. As they say, this too shall pass. Hashtag note to self in your post.
0: Yeah, I, it's really poignant now. Um, but when I wrote that two years ago, you know, we were in the middle of a bunch of stuff in my personal life, right? If you've been following for a while, you know, that was an apex of the remodel going poorly, um, us losing water on our well, and then finding out that baby number six has an issue um, that, you know, we've we've been having to deal with. Generally, he's fine, but we've got some scary stuff down the road related to heart condition, which is why we're donating um, 50%, 51% of our profits at the symposium to the Children's Heart Foundation. So, um, yeah, all my plates came crashing down and uh, it kind of broke me for a minute. Um, luckily, we have an amazing service monster team and I was able to just, just to kind of write my head. Um, but that's w- what happened to me where that post came from. Um, and it's true, like, especially it, it just happened to everybody at once, essentially, when COVID hit. Um, So I I'll let the kind of the words stand as they are. Um, I don't know how much more improvement I'm going to make on that, but crushing ego experiences suck at the time, but if you can reflect on them well, and you have, you've done a decent job up until then by surrounding yourself by amazing people, it, it, uh, it makes it easier to deal with. Yeah.
1: Well said. Um, I think we can, Jump into SMUG, uh, everyone's favorite time. See if they got, they got chosen this week. Um, so the first one was a post from a Tiffany. She had some questions on order approval and really just kind of wanted to take a quick note. Um, I can just kind of say, first she asked, is there a way to see what day the order was approved? Second, she asked, is there a way to increase the length of time that the, that the order is valid, right? Until the estimate or quote or so forth. Um it's no longer valid right and the the answer is you know yes there there is a way for both of those so um, if you open the approved order and you click on the, the documents tab when they approve that it's it's essentially going to it's going show that in there so there's a PDF you can see of that timestamp right of the signed or I should say initialed uh, document um, the other um, Question: As far as the length of time, you guys might forget because you probably turned this on six months ago, right? But there is a settings um, tab if you go to the marketplace and go to the order approval uh, tool, right? So it's, it's a service monster tool, right? It's not really a marketplace thing. We just it's an internal tool that we have as an add-on, um, and there's a setting there, and you guys can choose how long the the order is valid. So some of you guys might be longer, some of you guys might only be you know for a few days. So you can choose that setting in there, and if the client tries to open that link after that and then they'll be notified that it's no longer valid. So um the next post was from Matt. Um he printed a work order and gave it to the customer. The only problem is that the notes section is too small it can't be read. Kind okay of get some help on how to make it readable. And you know luckily Brenda actually was one who replied she's the one who handles our custom forms. We kind of just wanted to take this this time to kind of explain how that works. Um, you're allotted X amount of space on a PDF, right? When it when it prints or whatever, there's you can't, you can't you can't increase that space, right? So the way that it works for each section, particularly the notes section, which is where this is going to become the problem, um, is it will actually shrink the text to fit that spot. So if you have you know a size that's this big, and you've got text that goes down to here, it's going to be super tiny reading here um but there are options right um, you can make a custom form you can give yourself more um notes section you can even kind of have a second page um right if you if this is a big enough problem you can kind of you know, have a large notes section on the second page um people use that kind of for um disclaimers and things often too so i kind of just wanted to highlight that um you know, depending on what the changes are, there is a small fee. It's nothing crazy, but you know, we do have to allot for that time, so Brenda isn't completely hammered. Um, but is there anything you kind of want to touch on that, Joe?
0: Um, no, I mean, you know, we can do a lot with custom order forms. Um, we have a very comprehensive um, printout system, so you can actually have a matrix, uh, essentially a two by three matrix. For each year, estimate, work order, and invoice, those can each print differently, and they can print differently for commercial or residential clients. So, you got to have a very specific commercial estimate and a commercial invoice, and a completely different and interesting residential invoice and residential estimate. Um, So, with each of those, they can come from a specific form template. We've got four or five default in the uh, company itself in the program itself and yes we can customize them. You can customize them too. It's not particularly easy. You'll have to buy a tool like Nitro PDF or something like that and there might be some free versions out by now that create a PDF a tagged PDF file and we give you the list of tags you can use um, or you could pay us 100 bucks 150 200 bucks to um, customize the form you w- the way you like. And this could even go with dot matrix printers, so you can get carbon copy. You can do a lot of really fun things. We've seen a lot of um, interesting designs over the last 17 years, so.
1: Uh, the last one comes in here from McColby, and we actually wanted to bring this up for a few reasons. One, it's it's a, a collaborative effort, which is something that we'll always shine a light on uh, when we're kind of focusing here on these these smug responses. because something that we love to see. We love when you guys help each other out, especially if there's kind of a difficult question that doesn't necessarily always have a perfect or easy answer, right? Because it's a good way for you guys to all feed off of and maybe learn something new. Um, and this one was, he was asking managers and owners of multi-truck operations, what does your daily management checklist look like? What does your daily technicians checklist look like? What reports from service monster to you use daily to help keep track of the business? Um, he's implementing a daily spreadsheet to help keep track of daily operations as things grew beyond two trucks, which is kind of what he was familiar with. And I'm trying to make um, this an easy seamless process. It doesn't take longer than 10 to 20 minutes at the end of the day to input. I currently have daily information about customers and positive reviews and complaints and a checklist for equipment and maintenance protocols. I would love to know what process the big companies use. So before we mention anything else, if any of you guys are listening, and maybe you missed that post or or so forth, you have some things you might want to share, or even you know in private, maybe if you're not comfortable sharing on a on the, on the open kind of public forum. Um, but uh, it's definitely, I think, a good place where some of you uh, guys and gals uh, could maybe learn something and share something if you guys have a great process set up. Um, yeah, is there anything you kind of want to add onto that, Joe?
0: Um, no, I mean, you know i I don't think it has to have to go hunting through smug to find it either. You guys can just share on this video, um, you know, in the comment section and and we'll make sure to communicate those messages. But, you know, process, right? I'm a big process guy. So SOPs and closeout processes, I think, are a great idea. Um, as far as what to include on them, I think it's a great start. Taking care of your equipment, making sure things are cleaned up, prompts for tomorrow, whether they're reminders or you know, you're looking at your day forecasting and plotting things out um, to, did you do everything right of that day? What was of note that you may want to jot down to talk about in a weekly meeting or something? Um, And then were there any complaints or, you know, fires that you're going to have to worry about and put out on the next day? So I think, you know, that's a pretty good place to start and then uh, grow as you see fit.
1: One thing I'm kind of a big proponent of, um, because I am, the opposite of a morning person. Um, if any of you guys out there feel the same, then I'm right there with you. But um, I like to set kind of things up the night before, right? So if you know, what am I going to wear? You know, is there anything I need to be prepped for? Kind of remind myself so that when I'm in the morning and I'm that you know half dead zombie trying to find the the you know the tea because I'm not a coffee guy, unfortunately, but uh, trying to get that caffeine juice in there. Um, I don't have to think about the other things, right? And so I've had some people, if this works for you, it won't work for every business. You know, if you guys are rotating technicians around to various trucks and so forth, it doesn't always work. Um, But a lot of times if you have that 10 minutes at the end of the day, if you have the tech prep for what's coming up tomorrow, that's less they have to worry about in in the morning, right? So always make sure they verify in the morning, right? Because you might have something come in later in that that, that night. But kind of one thing I always like to add in there.
0: Very good. Yeah, that's uh, that's all I got for you, Joe. Not bad for our first live gig, huh? Hour and five minutes. A little bit over. We'll try to do better next time. But uh, thank you so much, everyone, for your attention. Leave us a note. Uh, we'll probably broadcast this to other platforms, Facebook and so forth as well. It's mostly about getting these chops practiced, though, because we want to develop and deliver an amazing experience for you guys at the Symposium for those mage main stage events. So uh, this is an exercise for us in addition to saving some time and hopefully we can create more micro content for you guys to enjoy. So until next time, be safe and uh, let's grow your business.
1: Just where we all like say random things while it's still live and we get caught yes, on the mic. Our,
0: are we have m- s- hot mic still? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, it's we're still on air. <laughs> oh, we're still on air.